Hey, welcome to Rebels Rewind. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of the Sports Podcast powered by The Projector. I'm one of your hosts, Kellen Taniguchi. I'm here with Nick and Jake. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yeah, it's going. You? Good. Good, good Labor Day weekend. and Yeah? Back mm-hmm. on the grind now. We'll get a little bit more into Labor Day weekend in a bit. But I guess we should start with some Rebels stuff. Um, not much going on right now. No sports have started yet, but um, the men's volleyball team has a new head coach. They hired Chris Voth. He's a former professional volleyball player. He played overseas. Um, interesting story because he was um, he was um, denied to play for a team in Europe because he's gay. So what do you think? You interviewed him, right? You did that piece on him for the projector? Yeah. So what's your vibe with him? Like, How do you think he's going to help the volleyball team? Um, well, I mean, last year they finished two and fourteen, so something has to be done. Yeah, can't go yeah. anywhere but up. So can't yeah. go. Yeah. So I don't think he, there's. I feel like there won't be a ton of expectation with him, which will be nice for him, give mm-hmm. him room to do what he has to do. But I don't know. Seems like a good guy. I didn't really talk to him. It was through email. So we, you said the volleyball team went two and fourteen. Yeah. Um, they had some good players, like I believe Josh Goosen was the yeah, won, league yeah. MVP, correct? Yeah, correct. Yet they still went with such a low record. So, so losing a player mm-hmm. like him, yes, is he's hard. and yeah, so he's graduated now, so he's gone. So your team that lost your best player and you have a new coach, it sounds kind of rough, but it honestly sounds like two and fourteen they could go lower. Like, am I wrong <laughs> in saying that? Um, well, in this league, turnaround is. Every year there's going to be turnaround yeah. with the shorter programs and there's not yes, the league true. is smaller too, right? So I'm assuming every other team would probably be going through a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't looked into the other teams yet, but who knows, like say the top team last year, what if they lost their whole roster? Yeah. There's literally a chance that that could happen. Yeah, there's a lot of players that literally come for like one or two years and that's mm-hmm. it. So, okay, fair enough. So a lot of this then likely be on the new head coach to uh, – change this team because obviously what was going on last year didn't work a whole lot even with the league MVP so what would you say what would you say are the expectations on this team now this men's volleyball team mm. it's tough to say without even tryout starting but mm. if yeah. you just look at it from a record perspective I would say at least aim for 500 yeah that's yeah I'd say that's fair and yeah you said it is hard without um the teams yeah doing any tryouts they haven't we don't know who's on the roster yet still a few months away yeah from game starting we do know about the men's soccer team though and the women's soccer team their seasons begin in roughly two weeks um so i recently talked with chuck morena who's the head coach of the men's soccer team it sounds like he's excited about their roster this year they've last year they went 3-0 and 7 and missed the playoffs by a single point so they're hoping to improve themselves as well um i don't know he's talked a lot about being a respectable team, being an accountable team. He said, like, the big problem with soccer, especially kind of with, you talked about it with the school, like where just uh, Red River College is a one, two-year school for a lot of people, like maybe some three-year program, so you'd have a lot of turnover. And you also, a lot of the programs in the school are very intense, so you have people missing for school more. Like, it's important to remember with our sports, um, it's not – like it's not like the U of M even or like American schools where you're a lot you have a lot of students who are in school mainly to play their sport and it's like it's a separate thing like for here it's basically it's kind of like a high school club like it's for fun it's for it's for like to get active it's not like a 
full-time commitment. So it affects the team. But I don't know, talking with uh, Coach Moreno, like, and I also talked with the captain of the team, um, I believe Eduardo Francisco, 29. He was on the team last year and was their lead scorer or up there. Like, he sounds excited about this season. Like, they've their official tryouts are done, but they'll still be um, – Miranda described it as trying guys out. Like if guys want to come out and see if they are a fit for the team, like they'll do it. And because of school, there's often going to be days where guys will be unable to fit. So they'll need some people to step in and fill that void. So, but the sense I got around the soccer team this year is they're optimistic. They believe that they can take another step and get back to the playoffs. Yeah. That'd be a great goal to have. And mm-hmm. it definitely sounds doable, but again, yeah. we'll see once, once we'll trials, see, yeah. um, Oh, tri- no, tryouts are over for the men's soccer. Men's soccer, team. yeah. Yeah, they were last Wednesday. They've got their roster. It's not like set in stone because, as I said, like they're still allowing other guys to come out because of school. It'll cause guys to miss games, especially on weekends, especially like when you have the games in like Brandon where it's like a full day. Like they wait, the players would wake up at set, like get on the bus at seven, head to Brandon, and they'd be back in Winnipeg at seven. Like that's a full day with school. Like that's a lot to ask of players. So it's going to be, there's a lot of juggling that Coach Moraine is going to have to do, but it sounds like him and his captain, at least, and uh, I've talked to some other players just very briefly. Like, it sounds like everyone's excited. They want to get this season started. So it'll be good. Uh, it sounds like it'll be a good season this year for the men's soccer team. Yeah, and people will be able to read more about it in your article. Okay, so last year, though, we're, two teams are coming off championship seasons. The men's basketball team, which has been dominant in the MCAC. Yeah, winning like MCAC. nine at the last 10 or something like that. Yeah, it's I think every year since 2009, except for one, and I couldn't find which yeah, one, yeah. they've won the championship. So they're probably going to be looking for another championship run again. And then also the women's volleyball team coming off their first ever championship will try and defend their championship it was weird that, like it's always interesting to see how a team responds to its first ever championship no matter the level of sport they're also going to be missing some players like i know they're one of their co-captains taylor gray graduated this year we talked to her at the end of the season last year asking her about the championship so it's going to be interesting to see how the coach prepares these next generation of the next group of players some of whom weren't on that a lot of whom probably yeah. weren't on that championship team and knowing that even though you weren't on this team Everyone's going to be gunning for you because you were the winners last year. You were the champions. Yeah, but also I think going into the playoffs, they were either seed four or seed three, and no one expected them to do it. They so. were seed three. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, now it's kind of like you see it in sports where sometimes, like, teams, they really shouldn't, but you might take an opponent, like, a little less seriously if you think they're, like, not on your level, and then they surprise you and they win. But then the next year, no one – like, we saw it this year in hockey – in the NHL with the Vegas Golden Knights like last year their first season everyone thought they'd be a bottom tier team they'd be just this middling like at best like a fringe playoff contender and then they went all the way to the cup finals and then the year after though everyone was ready for Vegas everyone was gonna give their 100% for the Golden Knights because this was a playoff caliber team and they were again they made it to uh they were third in the Pacific correct yeah, and they lost in the first yeah, round. Lost yeah, lost in the first round in seven games. Teams were more ready to them. They lost to a team they beat the year before in the playoffs, the San Jose Sharks. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see with the women's volleyball team yeah, how they handle, because this year they're going to get everyone's best. I don't know, yeah, and with the MCAC, with the high turnover, mm-hmm. it's interesting because, honestly, any year, any team can make the improvement mm-hmm. to go all the way. You can get that person you really need. So who knows, men's volleyball. All right, so uh, earlier you mentioned Labor Day weekend, and 
Nick, you were at the Bombers game on Labor Day weekend out in uh, Saskatchewan. How was yeah, that? Yeah, I made the annual trip to Regina. It's fourth year I've done it now in a row, and it's always a good time. It's, in my opinion, the best regular season weekend of the CFL action because not only is there the Winnipeg-Saskatchewan uh, Prairie rivalry game, there's uh, Hamilton-Toronto and then Edmonton-Calgary the following day. And all three games are great. Uh, the Bombers did come up short in their game. It, uh, it was a... Uh, it was a tough loss. They lost on a last-second field goal. It was a, it was mm. a pretty crazy environment after that too. The kicker actually ran into the stands actually, and most of, or not most, but a good amount of players actually went into the stands. But it was a great weekend for the CFL. They had, um, mm. I saw that ninety-eight uh, percent of tickets were sold for the weekend for the three games. So, wow. with attendance uh, trending downwards throughout this season, it's good to see that almost 100% capacity for mm-hmm. all three games. And they did get treated to three good games. Uh, yeah. So also, you were there. We've seen recently um, Andrew Harris what, didn't play in this game because of his suspension. Matt Nichols didn't play in this game because of an injury. So how do you think his those two guys' replacements played in this game? Well, Chris Streveler was in at quarterback for Matt Nichols, and it's no secret that Streveler does struggle as a passer. And he did pass for, I want to say, around 160 yards on uh, Sunday, which – he, he he started off really bad. He threw an interception on his open drive, and he sort of got better as the game went on. He looked a little more comfortable. It's it's no easy task going into Regina. It's it's the closest atmosphere to a Division One college football that you'll or atmosphere that you'll find in the CFL. So it was a tough environment for him. And then he, like you said, he had to do it without Andrew Harris too. So mm-hmm. his replacement was Johnny Augustine, and he they didn't give him the ball much in the first quarter because they got behind early, but. Mm-hmm. They then established their run, and Augustine looked really good. He had yeah. one long carry where he made um, Ed Ganey, who was a very good defensive back, he just made him look silly. He fell around on his face trying to tackle <laughs> him. So Augustine look, did look good, and uh, now with the beauty of these Labor Day games too, there are every game now has a rematch this upcoming yeah. weekend. So now the Riders do come back to Winnipeg for another big test because Winnipeg showed last week that they can they can play right with them with mm-hmm. Winnipeg's backups on the field. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I thought I didn't think it was going to be that close just with Nichols and Harris being out. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. But seeing that they only lost by a field goal, I honestly like their chances in the Banjo Bowl. Mm-hmm. I do too, yeah. they got to keep their game plan going with the run. And just for that mm-hmm. one drive at the end with their defense, their defense was excellent all game and just fell mm-hmm. apart on one drive and didn't execute. And mm-hmm. that was the difference. Yeah, it was. I almost kind of got reminders of uh, the Chiefs from the AFC game <laughs> last year in overtime where just – they just could no matter what, like they'd maybe yeah. stop a play, but then the next one they'd give up a second and nine or they'd give up a long, yeah. well, I guess in the NFL that you give up a long third, but not in the CFL, but yeah. Yeah. And so you said it was uh, nearly sold out at the Banjo Bowl. Well, the Labor Day Classic, yeah, Labor it was Day sold Classic? out. Yeah, the uh, Calgary was the only game that wasn't sold out, so that's okay. why it was, wasn't at 100%. Oh, okay. But it was still, I think it was over 30,000 in Calgary, so you oh, can't yeah. really complain about that. No, you cannot. How yeah. was that? Like, how was the atmosphere there? Was it just the same as every year? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's it's an amazing stadium. It's We obviously have a rivalry with Saskatchewan, <laughs> but I have nothing really bad to say about their their stadium's beautiful. It's You could argue whether it's nicer than ours. It's probably one and two in the CFL right now. But yeah, just the fans are pretty good too. There's the bad egg that's in every fan base, so I'm not going to say that. The fans didn't give us good treatment, although we were wearing our blue jerseys. But hmm. yeah, and again, for the Bangeable this upcoming weekend, if you are going to it and you do see somebody wearing green, just be nice. <laughs> don't just yeah. keep it classy. Don't 
like they, they, we're all CFL fans. They made the trip out, or there were if they live in Winnipeg, they mm-hmm. they're brave enough to wear a green jersey. It's it's just a game at the end of the day. So yeah. Yep. All right. So let's take a shift from the CFL to the NFL. NFL season begins this Thursday with the Packers and Bears. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some interesting news over the past week, to say the least. Yeah, we got interesting news just not long ago, too. Zeke Elliott finally signed a contract with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Did he? Yeah. He did. Six year. Six year. 15 Maybe. million per six year, 90 mil. When did this yeah. break? <laughs> like literally probably <laughs> this broke like 30 wow. minutes ago. Yeah. I, I was in class, so yeah. I didn't actually see it until I was talking with Kellen. Yeah. Oh, so six my. year, 90 mil. Wow. This is my live reaction. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if so, if you did draft him in fantasy, I guess you're kind of sitting pretty now, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I so, guess he just wanted to miss training camp. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, though, that like that changes the NFC East quite a bit oh, too, because yeah. they're Zeke, a contender. If, they need they need him. Yeah. If Zeke, they well, if Zeke him. wasn't playing, Dallas is a much weaker team. Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. They're a borderline playoff team, right? Without him. Yeah. Yeah. And now they can give the Eagles a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be a dogfight in the NFC. Yeah, as long as Wednesday, as long as Wednesday is healthy, I still think I take the Eagles. But here's a bit of an odd question: Do we? Do either you two think the Redskins have any sort of chance in that division? No, no, not with Keenum at quarterback. Not with Keenum. No, no. Here, let me rephrase this: If let's say by week, let's say by week four, Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback. I, I still no. don't. I still don't think they have yet. to aim for wild card. Yeah. No matter what, Dallas or Philadelphia is going to go ahead of them. Yeah, I say. I don't okay. see them jumping both. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what Darius Geis can do, though. Me I really too. liked him last Me year too. Because I think personally, I think watch the Redskins have the best draft this year, especially in the first round, picking up Dwayne Haskins without having to move at all or anything yeah. like that. Yep, yeah, for and sure. And then you get Montez Sweat later in the in the first round. Added Landon Collins on defense. Too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like they, do, got, they got a good defense. Because I do but. like the steps the Redskins are taking, and that's why I want to bring them up. Because I think it would be just it kind of does them dirty to just ignore like all the good steps they've taken this off season. But I guess it is pretty rough when you're in a division with yeah. a team that has possibly the Eagles possibly have the best quarterback in the NFC, possibly. Oh, NFC, yeah. NFC, and then the um, Cowboys have one of, if not. The probably top two running back in the league at least i would even expand that to running game with running. their offensive line yeah 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 it yeah changes everything mm-hmm. and then to round out that division there's the giants oh god who i still don't understand are starting eli manning over daniel jones who had an unreal preseason but whatever i guess i know what they got with eli which is then again it's not you're not winning special. the division yeah, exactly, with eli. Yeah. you're not going 500 no just get i don't know whatever his last year there yeah, you think they, so? yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If they don't give up yeah. on him, yeah. Yeah, they have to move on. They they're not going to yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not going to mm-hmm. go anywhere with Eli under center, so. And also like what does that say to the players, the other players in your organization if you go with Eli? What like what do you think they're thinking right now instead of going with the young quarterback like they probably mm-hmm. like it to be honest. Yeah, probably a lot John of them security? playing there yeah. probably like have played with him for so long and like have a good mm-hmm. relationship with him too, right? So. Okay. Well, we know one player who didn't have a good relationship with him, and that's OBJ, and he got sent over to the Cleveland Browns in a for a very subpar return for OBJ. Yeah. But so that leads us to the most hype team of the offseason, like the team with the most hype around them, the Cleveland Browns. They've got Baker Mayfield. They've got OBJ. They got Kareem Hunt who. Will be suspended for eight games, but he'll be back there. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Like, they've got this, all these offensive weapons all of a sudden and a solid defense. 
don't know. But go ahead. I don't know. It's kind of like too much hype. No, for me, it's Cleveland. It's 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 Cleveland. Like I kind of have to see it to believe it because yeah, that's fair. Like they were supposed to take a step uh, after getting Miles Garrett two years ago, and then they went zero and sixteen. So. Yeah, I don't know. I see them. I don't know. I still don't see them winning the division. I could see them maybe as a wild card team, but I don't know. It'll be fun to watch them at least. Finally, like it's not mm-hmm. like oh the Browns are on. Yeah, it's not. The Browns are now an actual contender, which they haven't been for probably what a decade, at least since I've been alive. Yeah, I can't yeah. recall. <laughs> I believe. Do they have? They have. They must have the longest active running playoff drought in the NFL. I was I believe, just, correct? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I would. I imagine so. Ever right. because the Bills broke theirs two years ago and i know i'm pretty sure they were the longest running one before that because they hadn't made it in this millennium before two years ago mm-hmm. yeah it is cleveland they have 16 year drought Ooh, wow. yeah wow so like, second is oh no yeah i think second is the jets at eight years the jets yeah like, unless no like, that's wrong second oh. is the tampa bay buccaneers oh. 11 years 11 also even then like the biggest it's a that's a five-year gap like that's insane yeah yeah that's a bad look for cleveland but i don't know there is promise now they're there everyone's dark horse pick so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that makes them a dark horse yeah but. like i don't know well i don't know it's kind of weird because a lot of the teams that were in the playoffs this year if not all of them like they're still very strong teams because yeah. like, we saw a decent amount of turnover with teams like jacksonville just fell off a cliff yeah from the year before carolina was going six and two they look strong and then they absolutely just collapsed carolina is a weird team they made the playoffs one year trash the next make the playoffs mm-hmm. one year well this year they should make the playoffs yeah then. clearly i um, think a healthy cam newton's gonna really yeah, factor into that yeah yeah Although there's also a lot every year there's turnover in the playoffs. Like, yeah. there's always at least like oh, yeah. four new teams there's gotta in be. every year yeah. but like also with the panthers they are in a rough rough division they've got the saints who are quite possibly can make a very yeah. strong case for best team in the nfl then you have the Falcons, who could make a case that they probably would have been a playoff team last year if they didn't get everyone, all their big playmakers injured. And then, like, the Buccaneers, they're definitely a step below the other three teams in their division. But by, like, I guess bottom feeder standards, they're not that bad of a team. Yeah. I guess it, it'll be interesting to see what Bruce Arians yeah. can get out of that team. And he was kind of a in a year where a lot of the teams that were hiring new coaches kind of went with younger coaches, unproven commodities, like coordinators from other teams. The Buccaneers went in the exact opposite direction and fired and hired Bruce Arians. So it's going to be interesting to see how he coaches mm-hmm. this Buccaneers team that has no expectations around it. Mm-hmm. That has a lot of people wondering if this is finally Jameis Winston's last year there if he doesn't pull it all together. Yeah, and the Bucks are decent at home. If, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I always find that whenever an NFC South team does go to Tampa Bay, it's always a close game. Or if not, Tampa yeah. Bay does pull it out. They did go four and four at mm-hmm. home last year, and they were five and eleven on like, the year. So of all the teams that like people are talking about, is oh they're not going to be a playoff team. Tampa Bay would be the one that would surprise me the least if they are a playoff team. Because I personally, I do like Bruce Arians as a coach. I think he can get a lot out of this roster, a lot more than yeah. other coaches can. All right, yeah. So who's your surprise playoff team then? And surprise can't say Cleveland. Team. Can't say Cleveland, yeah. Okay. they're not a surprise. Everyone's no. picking them. Everyone's picking them. Um, hmm. Can I go with one worth a bit of a caveat on it? Sure. Okay, this is assuming he can, the quarterback can stay healthy, which is something he has not proven that he can do throughout his career. I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans. Wow, so they win yeah. the division, I guess, is what you're saying? Uh, well, that is part of it. They're in a, With Andrew Luck now retired, and we haven't even really touched on that, 
They're in a very weak division. That's a dark horse team, but didn't they make the playoffs last year? No. they no. Remember, they lost to the Colts? the year before? The year before, they, yes. They lost on the last game of the remember season. Remember, they yeah. lost to the Colts? It was, it was a the, playoff game. Yeah, it was a playoff game. The year before, yes, they did make the playoffs, but they were they were a wild card team. They upset the Chiefs, but that was mostly the Chiefs just yeah. not being very good. And then they got absolutely destroyed by the Patriots. So, I don't know. Like, when I see people talking about the AFC South, I see people picking Houston. Some people picking Jacksonville on the strength of their defense. But Indiana- I don't know. Indianapolis is going to win that division. Mm-hmm. No. They have a good defense. Uh, it depends on Jacoby Brissett. But, yeah. I don't know. When I look at Tennessee, like, if Marcus Mariota can actually stay healthy and prove that he can stay healthy, and you've got yeah. Derrick Henry, who's absolutely amazing and can go on – giant runs and you've got enough around the rest of it and you're in a weak division yeah you could like they could make a case that they could slide into that number four spot i don't i don't know if they'd do anything if they got to the playoffs but but to make i think they can get there division's wide open that division is wide open now that andrew luck is gone i'm so sorry nick yeah it's a tough one my dark horse team though for the playoffs is denver really okay that's like just kind of go to left field joe flacco yeah i'm just because it's hard to find a team that's really not expected to make the playoffs. That like, like does Green Bay count as a dark horse? That's what I, I was know. looking at. But they, yeah. they just had a bad year, right? I mean, with the exception of the Lions in that division, every team in there is good. Like you've got the the Lions, the Lions. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> you've got the Bears, who've got probably the best defense in the NFL with Khalil Mack, and they have a young quarterback who could potentially evolve into something yeah. really good and you've got a decent enough offense around them they need to find if they can get a kicker that's actually good but like they're a very solid team and the vikings are probably really upset with how their season ended last year they were kind of the tennessee of the nfc last year where they went out on the last game yeah, yeah with bad quarterback play so bad, you're going with denver yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll be my dark horse okay. so, uh, yeah. left field i'm why? going i'm okay yeah, sorry go, why go. why why uh to be honest, like I said, there's not many teams that um, that you don't really expect to not make the playoffs that probably won't make the playoffs. But Denver, I do. They have one of the best home field advantages in the league. Flacco is an established quarterback, although he's on the uh, latter half of his career and his best football is in the yeah. behind him, right? So, um, yeah, let's go with Denver. I like their running back too. It's uh, Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. That. Yeah, and they have Denver play, they still have the playmakers on defense too. Yeah, like Von Miller. They've also they've also got a new coach, Vic Fangio. So that'll be interesting to see how he steps into this um, yeah. roster. Well, but they're also they're also in a strong division. They've got both Kansas City and the Chargers to compete with. So wild card. My wild card. My dark horse team is going to be a team that I think is going to sneak in as a wild card team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I'm going with the Jets. Oh, that was my other one. Yeah. Um. They have the Bills and the Dolphins in their division, which to me, I think they're better than both those teams. At least win three of those, hopefully four. Did Le'Veon Bell lure you over? Okay, no, no. Well, it's a, he makes a big difference because it, I think it takes a lot of pressure off Darnold as well, right? Mm-hmm. But you have Le'Veon Bell, and then you picked up C.J. Mosley. Like, they have playmakers on defense. I don't know. I just think that they have a team that could sneak in as like a sixth seed or something like that. A sixth seed? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I, I think... Like based on their schedule and like their additions, like they got better, and I think I, Darnold in his second year will be a lot better as well. I think, with the exception of the AFC South, I'd say the or at least definitely in the AFC 
East and the AFC West. I think the division titles are locked up for New England, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I think one of Cleveland or Pittsburgh takes the AFC North. Oh, Pittsburgh for sure. Pittsburgh, you're oh, of course you are. But um, the like the two wild card spots are wide open. I know a lot of people are giving one to either Cleveland or Pittsburgh, whichever one doesn't win the AFC North. But that wild card, that six wild card spot in the AFC, in the AFC is just. It's up for grabs for pretty much any team in there that isn't the Dolphins, Bills, Raiders, yeah, Colts. All right. One one last thing I want to get to before we uh, finish the episode is uh, Bianca Andrescu and the U.S. Open right now. She's killing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, she won again last mm-hmm. night. Or we're recording this on Tuesday, so she just beat uh, Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend. Yeah. So she has at least Martin or at least Mertens up now. And if you don't know who Bianca Andrescu is. She's a 19-year-old tennis player that is just flying up the rankings right now. She just uh, she won the Rogers Open yeah. last month, and she won India Wells. She won Indian Wells yeah, as well. She's incredible. Well, she started the year as 152nd. She's mm-hmm. ranked 15, but with the games she's already won in the U.S. Open, she's gonna be top 10, mm-hmm. and like, it's crazy. I don't know. I'm not someone who follows tennis like super much. I definitely follow it more in the summer when there's not a whole else lot going on. She kind of came out of nowhere, didn't she? Well, she has 19. Yeah. yeah, of course. Well, yeah, but she just kind of, like, she just arrived on the scene and just well, I think rocketed she, up the I leaderboard. I think she made it as a wild card in Indian Wells and mm-hmm. went all the way to win it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess coming out of nowhere is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see her because last year it was Denis Shapovalov, right? Like, he was young Canadian, young, similar situation, young Canadian tennis player, kind of came out of nowhere with some big wins. But the difference is Bianca Andreescu has actually gone all the way yeah. twice. Whereas Denis Shapovalov, has he made it to a finals in any tournament yet? Not a major one. No. Not a major one, no. I don't know. And the way that she's playing right now, she's mm-hmm. she's the favorite to come out of her side of the bracket and make the finals. Yeah. Maybe set up a rematch with Serena where she doesn't pull out. But mm-hmm. Well, that was due to health reasons, yeah. man. Come on. wasn't just like, ah, I don't feel like playing. Yeah. And then on the men's side, it looks like we're on a collision course for Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer to meet again Round in the final. Yeah. How, yeah, many with, time, how many times? Yeah. Because Novak Djokovic did a withdrawal uh, last weekend yeah. with mm-hmm. a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A shoulder, yeah. And yeah. kind of similar to Andrew Luck. I heard he was booed off the field. Yeah, off he, the was court. Boo- he was booed off the court. Yeah. Wow. Classic. But, um, Him and Luck can su- form a support group. One more thing about Andreescu, though, is that she's 42 and 4 this year. Mm-hmm. Like that's in games. insane. Like she has the highest winning percentage on the tour. Like higher than Serena, higher than Osaka. Like unreal. One second. Yeah. And she, so she does play on Wednesday against Elise Mertens in yeah. the quarterfinals. That's a, yeah. that's a 913 win percentage for Bianca Andreescu. That's insane. Yeah. She's born in 2000. That's the thing that's I, I I keep saying it, but I just yeah. want to reiterate how, yeah. how crazy that is that she's yeah. doing this. Well, and I think if she does win a Grand Slam, she'd be the first Canadian woman, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Has there ever been a Canadian man? To win a Grand Here. Slam? Yeah. You have to really pull up the history books for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roundage hasn't, I know that. <laughs> um, okay, so this is Wikipedia, so we're not... Going with the best source here. Um, We're not going to get the record book out. No. Wait. Nope. According to this, Canada is not in here. Goes alphabetical. It skips right from Brazil to Chile. So. Um, this this is super credible Wikipedia page. Says Daniel Nestor. Oh wait, no, that's. You have to actually click on it, man. 
No, so I don't. I think she would be then. The oh very first... no, no one has ever won a Grand Slam single as a Canadian. Okay. Doubles, and mix has. Okay. But no single like men or yeah. women. I don't think. So she has a chance to be the very first in the country, and that could be. Like we've seen a lot more tennis coverage in this country because there's young Canadian stars in yeah. tennis now. Well, even myself, I've been watching it mm-hmm. a lot more just because I'm caught up in her story too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. Like I watch it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be. She has a chance to become the face of Canadian tennis to come and possibly could she become a face of Canadian sports as well? Yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. so yeah. with her age and especially if she wins this US Open, that's huge. Like honestly honestly right now I can't really think of anyone else who's a Canadian face of sports. Like I guess you could like Crosby and McDavid. True. Maybe I would say not McDavid yet, because I don't because he there. hasn't getting there yet. Yeah, he'll get there. Once he wins and I do believe he's gonna win some one day either a gold medal or a Stanley Cup or both. Once he gets there, he'll be there. But like, well, Crosby, Crosby had the golden goal for yeah. he's won multiple Olympics, three Stanley Cups. Like I'd say, and he's a he's from a part of the country in Canada that isn't really talked about as much. He's from the Maritimes, not from Toronto, which I think that resonates with a lot of people because he's mm-hmm. like a more small town. And I think pe- people like that. They like rooting for an underdog. They like rooting for someone that's just kind of come from humble beginnings to rise all the way to the top. But yeah, so she has, but Bianca Andreescu has a chance to stand right up there with them, and possibly in today's society, especially because Crosby plays in Pittsburgh. He plays, he's won his Stanley Cups in the states. Yeah, like she has a chance to become the face of Canadian sports at least for the next few years. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Anyone, Kellen, you want to send us off? Sure. You've listened to another episode of Rebels Rewind, and we'll be back in a couple weeks for episode two. Mm -hmm. See ya.